Hello and welcome back to the Place of Film Podcast, episode 5, with me, your host, Terry Rogier. Before we start anything, um, I just want to say the reason I took a two-week break was that I had to prepare for an exam. I've taken the exam now, and I should hopefully be ready to, to put out more content for you guys on the podcast. And with that out of the way, remember to follow us on all social media at The Place of Film, Twitter, Instagram, and Stardust. And yeah, um, n- nice to see that you guys have missed me. Um, none of you have said that, but hopefully you've missed me. Um, the podcast is back, so let's get into it. Our top three news feed for today. Um, so the first story is reported by The Hollywood Reporter, and um, it's basically that Bernie Feinstein from Booksmart and her new movie How to Make a Girl, where she portrays a, an English teenager in the Midlands and I really don't know apart from the premise but I, I read up on the story and it's going fi- to finally get a open wide release across the United States and hopefully internationally because ever since coming out of Booksmart Bernie Feinstein has been looking like an actress for the future and I'm really looking forward to this new project project the trailer looked very interesting and the way that she has been using social media to gain notoriety for this project I am very excited for the potential of this project to get a wide released screening let's just say so that's reported by the Hollywood Reporter uh, I was moving on to our second story um, you've got Cats the musical slash film starring basically everyone under the moon and ha- everyone under the moon and having that very creepy trailer uh, remember that anyway so cats um the trailer looks fantastic although the C- the CGI to me looks a bit creepy and I th- and I think that was one of the main criticisms of the trailer but anyways according to IndieWire um cats is going to miss the um, Academy deadline to submit it for um, the Oscars and just general award season. So basically that means that Cats will probably not get any attention from either the Golden Globes or the Oscars, which I haven't seen the film yet, it may be fantastic, it may be um, it may be downright tragic. But first of all, Cats, when I first saw Cats, it was bound for me to get at least some recognition when it comes to the Golden Globes and how they have that comedy and musical section. So it's a bit of a disappointment, but then again, Cats is something that the, the studio wants to make profitable, and if they can have an extended run and make more money and and not get the Oscar recognition and, and make more money than, the, than they could if they didn't have the full release then it's up to the studio because it's their movie at the end of the day and whatever makes them the most money and the most profit works out and we don't know what this film is like yes it looks great yes it looks it looks great and the first buzz we've heard about it looks fantastic or what we've heard sounds fantastic but we never know and I'm a bit disappointed because I, I believe that every film should have a chance to get nominated for an Oscar 
like to, to have the actual chance but if the studio wants to push the film for more financial success than actually getting the film recognised then that's up to the studios so and I'm not going to um, put complain about that in any sense our final story reported by all the major trades uh, broke a couple of days ago so so you guys might know this but um, the Fantastic Beasts Fantastic Beast 3 is coming out in 2021. So, my thoughts. The Fantastic Beast franchise, for me, I've been very indifferent to. I like the first one. Um, I thought it was very charming. Eddie Redmayne does a fantastic job. The ensemble works very well together. It has some charm. And, yeah, it brings you back to what you would, you, what you would expect of Harry Potter... Then you have all the stuff with Dumbledore, seeing, seeing Grindelwald. Talking about Grindelwald, moving on to the latest film that came out last... Oh, I can't exactly remember. Either last year or early this year. Um, Fantastic Beasts and the Crimes of Grindelwald, the second one in the franchise. Um, I, um, I, I, I wasn't a big fan of the film. Not because... Um, it's just because I wouldn't even consider myself a big Harry Potter fan, but I know people that are, and I've got and I've got friends and mates who are. So, but for me, the film lacked that charm, lacked a general pace, lacked a general interweaving story. It seemed like they rushed to the point, the story that they wanted to get to point A, B, C, or A to Z rather. Because then again, with this Fantastic Beast franchise, you've got to remember when they originally announced this, they they wanted this to be a five-film deal that would follow J.K. Rowling systematically publishing the books at the same schedule. So now that we're onto the third one, would suggest that it's coming on schedule, but. Do, do we really need another Fantastic Beast film? In my opinion, no, but then it follows a franchise. Um, were they financially successful? The first one was. The second one, a bit more. But surely, I think, for a second one, you'd get a natural drop-off. Anyway, we'll see. But I've just got to say that I'm not hopeful for a third film being generally successful. Although I will say that I think one of the most general positives that I can get out of the most recent the most recent Fantastic Beast films is that Ezra Miller like and his character like how he is so isolated and it almost makes you feel sorry for him and the way that he played that character made me feel excited for the way for the way that Ezra Miller is such a diverse actor how how he evidently shown by how he can take a very comical role in the Justice League with the Flash and making me excited for a Flash film but also playing this dark twisted lonely teenager in in some sense of um in some sense of the Fantastic Beast, and don't worry, I am not describing Twilight. Twilight is horrible. Anyway, with Twilight, you've got to say that Robert Pattinson came out of Twilight, 
and now he's the new Batman and his new film um, The Lighthouse looks with William Defoe looks fantastic so you never know like with these teenage moody characters anyway I'm only joking I'm rambling on too much and with with that that is your main top three news feed Um, yeah so that is your news feed for the 10th of November Um, moving on to our discussion topics also by the way guys um, for next week or, or for, for a show coming up soon I do want to get the fan interaction going therefore I would love if um, some of you provided questions so we could do a sort of Q&A well if not I'm fine and we'll just keep but I just want this show to be on fan interaction and how we can build up build up the film discussion and just have a nice time debate, debating film at the end of the day moving on so as I said in our discussion topics uh, or, or if I didn't mention we're going to do our discussion and debate um, section so our two discussion and debates today are Disney and how they are preparing themselves for a massive and I mean massive onslaught when it comes to how they're going to take over the streaming game as we all know, Disney Plus is coming out um, soon with their whole Disney catalogue, with the Star Wars, the Marvel, like the actual entire Disney catalogue, and the National Geographic, which I think is going to be a very underrated feature of Disney Plus. Anyway, they've got the Marvel, they've got the Star Wars, they've got the catalogue, and from now on we we just said that Disney Plus was going to be a very family friendly orient, oriented type of deal and we didn't know whether Disney would portray more like what, what what's the word more adult themed shows like because they act, what I'm trying to say is that they have a place in Hulu where they can now dump, like, they've got The Handmaid's Tale, and especially with, with the new announcement of the FX shows, with that being Atlanta, with that being Mayans MC, with that being Sons of Anarchy, whether that being Archer. Basically, Disney is making a two-staged two attack on Netflix mainly, and Amazon Prime, because now they've got their Hulu that can challenge the more adult themed streaming when it comes to HBO and CBS All Access and and then you've got your Disney Plus that can attack your Netflix I think that Disney have approved and the right approach because we all thought that when it came to Disney Plus that Disney Plus was going to be the main focus they have the Mandalorian that's their flagship show they were going to concentrate on that they have loads of original content coming through with Star Wars, Marvel and the uh, with the whole Marvel and Star Wars shows and so we expected that Hulu would become a second priority but the fact is that when when Bob Iger announced in a conf- 
in a conference earning call that they that Disney would still push and back Hulu. This really was a great announcement because it shows that Disney can not only diversify their content but is ready to be that big streaming giant and I think this is going to be a very interesting stage where we have Apple TV, we have Hulu, we have Netflix, HBO, HBO, HBO Max, Apple. The list of streaming services goes on. Hopefully none are more announced. Now it comes to the issue of do we have too many streaming services with um, and how much that's actually going to cost the average TV viewer or film viewer. Now, that's a debate for another day, but the fact is that we we are in a place where we we have we have access to a diverse pool of content whether you want the Hulu stuff with the Handmaid's Tale and now the FX shows Atlanta, you have um, Mayans MC, Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy is an underrated TV show. From what my from what my teacher tells me, I need to go check it out because it's a big recommendation from John Campy as well. So I must check it out. But the fact is that Disney are backing their content across multiple age groups. And therefore, it's really a two-pronged attack towards your Amazon Primes and your Netflix, your and your Netflix. So, so that's basically Disney becoming the the massive media giant that they are, and almost tripling that by being the dominant player in the streaming world. And yes, yeah, so basically that's topic number one. Uh, comment down your thoughts below so we can get the debate going on whether Disney is is being too dominant. What do you think about their two-pronged attack and how they're going to approach the more kids and teenagers stuff on Disney Plus while the more adult series like A Handmaid's Tale, like An Atlanta, is going to go on a Hulu. Um... So comment down below with your th- with your thoughts, and then we will debate. Um, le- now on to topic two. Um, I'll the talk to this this before I want to say anything. This topic comes into a much heated debate that we've had o- over the last few years when it comes to CGI and what is too much CGI and what isn't. And I also feel that in my like film analysis brain that you can also link some of that to Martin Scorsese's comments not about Marvel but about how the entertainment of film is becoming a spectacle almost like a theme park rather than actual dramatic films and how CGI goes towards that and then we can but then we could also say to, to the Irishman and how they're using CG to make Robert De Niro and Al Pacino look younger. This is a very interesting topic, and I might ramble on for a bit. So, 
Um, this new filmmaker is going to come out with a film. Um, no official title has been given, but the premise of this film is that it, it is a post it is a post Vietnam film ab- about how the dot the, the the dogs of war came back and how they were treated. Now, the story is complex in itself, but this is where it gets tricky. The filmmakers really struggled to get an actor, as most produ- most major productions now like get in- get into tr- trouble with because sometimes the directing and the casting directors cannot find the perfect role for the film to portray exactly the director's vision or the studio's vision. Now, there's n- there's no problem with that. But what's happened is, is that this filmmaker has randomly thought that James Dean, an actor who died, probably, who died decades ago, rather, would be good for the role. And how are you going to get James Dean in this film? Are you going to look through old footage and cut it and make it into a resemblance of a character? Oh no, what they're, what they're trying to do, ladies and gentlemen, is that they are going to CGI the whole character and are going to probably cut and paste dialogues from James Dean as classic films and yeah on the face of it it sounds morally wrong because but when asked the filmmaker backed this up oh yeah we've got the backing of James Dean's estate okay so you're telling me that that because you th- you've got a movie that you can't cast a, cast a living day actor that all oh right yeah you've had a vision that you want to cast James Dean an actor who's been dead for decades now um and um and how do you want to go about having James Dean in your movie knowing that he's dead you want to CGI him okay that that we can just leave for a second, but you think by justifying it by by having the support of James Dean's James Dean's estate is suitable. <sighs> Look, the whole mission of having the estate thing is a a very long conversation when it ca- came to Carrie Fisher and the use of see. Um, CGIing her into Rogue One, same thing with Peter Cushing, and I agree. If the family has the backing of, um, if the filmmaker has the backing of the family, there is some credit to the the filmmaker or studio going forward with the idea of potentially going forward and CG CGIing a a former living or living person into a film. However, with James Dean, it, he's he's probably one of the greatest actors or greatest actors of all time, and I'm, I'm that, and that's not an understatement for me. Um, but 
do you think that because his second room his estate that has no direct relatives to him now would financially profit off this film and pay nearly half a million dollars just just to use the cap the actor's legacy to me it just sa- it sounds fishy can I just preface this by saying I don't think this film's going to get made because I think the backlash for this film has been too, way too much um, and in terms of where we go from now I don't know but look we've addressed the CGIing now it comes to the problem of like financially is this doable and does it does it hurt the film just isn't it just better for the film just to hire an actor and not go back and have to CGI model an actor who's been dead for twenty for decades rather um yeah so yeah this this is the dilemma that we face and it's the whole thing about whether you're wasting your your film's budget already and you're hampering it by by doing all these special effects and and how it it probably because we're not at the point also the CGI carefully blends into a film and looks real because even with with Peter Cushing and Rogue One you could clearly see that it was not a living person and you could see the outline of the animation and that's not a critic of Gareth Edwards or, or anyone who, who edited the film on Rogue One it happens and I, th- and I think them saying that it wasn't going to be the highest definition or or highly realistic to Peter Cushing or and at least they tried their best to make it look like that I think worked well and because they had the permission of Cushing's direct family right so um and but but we understand that it didn't look great I think so I think my point of criticism for this film going forward is that not only is is choosing an actor that died years ago questionable for your casting but and that it's not financially viable but what but why do it in the first place now and whether that CGI could lead the whole film without being jarring to look at and jarring on screen because for me if I had to look at Peter Cushing's Peter Cushing in Rogue One for more than what that scene was that that would have been jarring to me and I don't think that we're we're at the point or we're, we're at the point where a modern day audience would be comfortable enough to have a fully CGI, CGI lead in the film considering how it's a real life world and I'm guessing you would place a CGI James Dean in the real world 
Now, f the arguments for using James Dean is it's an it's an homage to his legacy. I understand. Um, potentially there's a certain there's a certain as aesthetic that the filmmaker wants to go for, and yes, I understand that. And potentially because it's post-war Vietnam, and that it suits into what the filmmaker wants to do. And yes, but I just think that there is too much cons against pros to actually go ahead with this film. And as I said about two or three minutes ago, I don't even think this film is going to go forward because of the controversy it's had. So I think I think that's I think that's my viewpoint on this whole James Ian situation. Comment down below your thoughts and we'll get the debate going on the second issue. Um, and in terms of our discussion and debate, I think we can say that that is our debate done. Um, so comment down below your thoughts and we will see. In terms of um, backlash, you had Chris Evans come out and other Hollywood stars fully condemn condemn the filmmaker for even thinking of this going forward and I think I think the the actual intentions were not out of ill will and harm I think the way that the filmmaker has gone about publicising all this has just gone against everything that would naturally be a Kurt's process and how I don't think it's a, it's out of a place of just just and it's it's not out of a place of not understanding the situation I think it's a position that is ta taken full well full well knowing and wanting to build a story about James Dean and being like technolo technologically savvy because no film apart from from the Avatar uh, apart from Avatar has so heavily relied on CG to create an immersive world. Uh, wait, wait, but the, but the thing is with Avatar is that the world is CG as well. So it it wouldn't jar and it goes together, and the fact is that Avatar also had that three D factor to it. J James Cameron, you know, is always trying to reinvent the cinematic experience. But I think in this instance, from what from what I've read of the premise of the story, first reported by the Hollywood Reporter, by the way, um, I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to place a J a CGI James Dean into a post-Vietnam world with these dogs and try and look after them and I personally just think a CGI character in that sort of environment wouldn't look the best anyway that is my rant fully completed and done um, and, and as I said and for the last time I'll say comment down below your thoughts on story one about Disney's domination and story two about the James Dean controversy. And with that, um, follow us on social media at the at the place of film, um, on Twitter, 
Instagram and Stardust. And basically, I've been your host, Terry Rogier. And goodbye, and I'll see you for episode 6.